0: Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to Asking for a Friend. This podcast provides you with evidence-based information and real-world advice about getting to know yourself better. Just a warning, this podcast may contain some conversations of a sexual nature and isn't suitable for kids. In this week's episode, we'll be asking for a friend all about male arousal, and in particular about erectile dysfunction in younger men. Of course, as a sexologist, I can give you scientific and psycho-educational information about this topic, but as a woman, I can't speak to this personally, or really understand what it's like for a man to experience losing an erection, or not getting an erection during a sexual encounter. So I've asked two awesome British blokes, Angus and Zander, to join me to chat about this further. They started an online platform called Mojo Men, which aims to help men understand, work through and resolve issues that they might be experiencing with sexual arousal and erectile functioning. So, Angus Zander, welcome to Asking for a Friend. Uh, Thanks Thanks very much much for having us. Could you guys perhaps just um, tell me a little bit about yourselves and and how you found yourselves creating this really phenomenal um, platform for men? Angus, perhaps you could tell us first.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say why why we had the initial conversation. Zander's and I are cousins, but um, I wouldn't describe our relationship as being close enough that we would speak about problems we were having in the bedroom. Um, I mean, at the time, Zander's and I, we were both doing far more boring desk jobs, and I don't think we ever foresaw that our future might lie in. Um, Helping men get erections um but yeah it was it was about two years ago we were driving out to see his mum and dad for lunch uh one weekend, and for some reason, unbeknown to me, even to this day, I decided to to open up to him um and he was kind of the first person i've I've ever spoken to about or had spoken to about having troubles getting up and I kind of looked out the window and um pretended he wasn't there and just said you know i've been struggling for the last six months to get it up and i've been really surprised by the kind of mental and emotional effect that has had on me um and to be honest i was just met by a really stony silence from the driver's seat and was kind of worried that i was um being judged and perhaps picked the wrong person to open up to but um I think I think actually it had fallen on on understanding years.
0: You know, the thing that is funny to me is that, um, you know, the context of family is probably the last place you're going to have conversations about sex, right? So, I mean, it's the place that brings up the most embarrassment and shame. So it's really interesting that this is a conversation the two of you had. Um, zonda, what kind of... Tell me a little bit about you and uh, and your experience of that car journey.
2: Yeah, I know that's... Um... It's a good question. So I remember vividly when Angus uh, turned to me and, you know, I can't remember the words exactly, but he basically said, oh, it's on time. I've been having problems getting it up. And I suddenly, you know, I kind of froze because at that point in time I'd maybe had issues getting it up for like nearly 10 years. And it was, it was something I was just, you know, at that point getting a handle on and something, you know, I, I just sort of, I'd managed to work through but I'd never really shared my experiences with anyone. I'd never talked to anyone about it. And I suddenly felt, you know, in a bit of a better place to talk about it. And I had someone here who I trusted opening up about that experience. And I thought, you know, can I share my experiences of this issue? And, you know, I wasn't sure, but I, I, I guess like for whatever reason I did. And I just felt, I felt amazing. I felt like this great weight lifting off my shoulders, um, and it just felt so good to kind of finally have this issue that had been haunting me kind of out in the open. And I think that was a really powerful moment for me, and I think and for Angus as well. And I think we we really felt wow this this is a this is really powerful just talking about this. Guys don't talk about this. We need to get guys talking about this, and we need to do something about it now. And so that's what we did, and um, yeah, I think that was, that was kind of really the inception of Mojo Man, and we thought, right, well, like, how, how can we kind of get the message out that guys need to talk about this, and how can we help guys who aren't yet ready to talk about it, how can we make sure they kind of get the information they need, or, you know, start accessing um, the help, the experts that they should be talking to.
0: And can I ask, how old were you guys when you had this conversation?
2: Yeah, this this wasn't that long ago. So this was this conversation was probably two years ago, um, and so we would have been twenty seven and twenty nine, I think.
0: So you see, this is this is something that I really am. I'm so grateful that you guys are talking about. You know, now in your sort of late twenties, early thirties, because you know most men are going to experience some form of erectile dysfunction early in the earlier years of their life, um, their sexual life anyway, um, and they're going to experience performance anxiety and loss of erection at some stage as well. So it's completely normal for men in their twenties, men in their thirties, men in their forties to be experiencing you know a little bit of loss of erection. But I think there's so much stigma and, and shame surrounding it um, that it's difficult for men to, to really talk about this conversation in the open. And, you know, as you were saying there, Zonda, with, with just talking about it, how a huge weight was lifted and it felt like such a relief to hear it's not just me, there's someone else and someone else I know. And if there are two of us just sitting in this car, there must be a lot more guys in their 20s who are also experiencing the same thing.
1: Yeah, mm. I think that's right. I think the really funny thing about erection issues is um, that they feel so isolating and you're kind of, you have this internal shame and think you're the only one struggling. Um, and then actually you look at the the stats and I think now it's quite commonly referenced that kind of 30% of men under 30 and 40% of men under 40 have or have had problems getting it up. So. It's this strange paradox that you feel isolated when actually you're part of a, a very big group of men who are having the same experience.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I think that, you know, to be able to have conversations like this more openly, more honestly, um, to be able to share in this way is, is so powerful um, just to help young men to realize that actually there's nothing wrong with them. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about the name Mojo Men. Where did that come from?
1: Um, Mojo Men, uh, came from, um, we're, we're quite proud of it because we think it does what it says on the tin. Um, but we wanted, uh, the name to be something that was, um, uplifting and like, like I just mentioned it, it, shouldn't be something that's, um, you feel shame about not being able to get it up. So I think there's a lot of connotations with Mojo Men and kind of Mojo being, something a lot of people remember from Austin Powers as something kind of fun and playful. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think if you look up the definition of mojo, um, it means uh, kind of your charisma and uh, these kind of sexual connotations around it have been added more recently. Um, so, yeah, we we kind of see the name as get your mojo back, meaning um, kind of uh, get your confidence back and, and fulfill your potential. And in this case, definitely fulfill your erection potential.
0: I love that. And I, I, I think it's got such a, such a powerful connotation, as you say, about getting your mojo back. Um, I hear my clients use that phrase a lot, um, particularly men, which is really interesting. You guys both, um, both spoke to your own personal experiences of being, you know, 20-something-year-old men who had struggled with um, losing erections or keeping erections. And uh, So if you, you'd be willing to share a little bit about kind of how that affected you emotionally or psychologically as well as perhaps the partner you were with, what you noticed, what sort of fears that brought up in you, if you'd be willing to share a little bit about that, I'd be so grateful um, to hear a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, sure. We can certainly
1: try. I mean, Angus, would you like to go first or should I? Um, Yeah, sure. I was... Uh, so I was 27 at the time and... Um I was very confident uh, I thought I had a good job that I loved, a great social circle. I kind of thought of myself as very mentally robust um, and then uh it was seemingly out of the blue for me i uh one day couldn 't get it up, and i the first couple of times I put that down to um alcohol um but it was when the first time it happened when I was sober, it honestly felt like I'd been hit by a train. Um, And for the few days after I, I couldn't focus on anything else. Um, It it just played on your mind constantly. Um, And yeah, interesting that you say kind of what effect did it have on your masculinity? And I think the answer is far more of an effect than it should. Um, In hindsight, I think, uh, I probably put too much weight on it, thinking that if I couldn't get it up, then that meant I wasn't a man, which, when you say that out loud, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but at the time, that is honestly what it, what it feels like. Um, and the way I responded to it was uh, a lot of Googling. And I Not threw the question. Right? Oh, yeah, got to love Google. Um, and Google gave me probably 300 starting points that, of things that might be wrong. Um, I actually didn't ever reach out to go to see a professional. Um, I think probably because I didn't know which way to look. Um, but I remember I I'm vegetarian, so I wondered if it was a lack of testosterone building blocks in my diet. I was single. I wondered if it was because I had a lack of connection with the people I was having sex with. Um what it actually was was a, a physical problem. I'd basically done a long distance cycling event and crushed a load of blood vessels. Um so the bike definitely got uh thrown in the garage for months. Um I gave up porn literally anything that Google could suggest I I gave it a go.
0: I, I've got a colleague um, in the US who says that you can choose cycling or you can choose erections, but you can't choose both. <laughs> <laughs> men, okay. men who cycle um, have a 30 to 40% increased risk of suffering from pelvic floor dysfunction. So that's really interesting that that was what was discovered to be the cause of it. But it, it's so clear the psychological impact that then had on you before you knew what the physical cause was.
1: Oh, absolutely. And for me, what started as a physical problem—I'd um, kind of crushed blood vessels in my perineum. Um, if you've done that, it should take kind of six to twelve weeks to rectify itself, um, depending on how severe the the crushing has been. Um, but I, the, having those issues, um, then had planted a seed, which meant I struggled. Um Far longer than twelve weeks, um, probably up for the next year, I had to work on what had become a a mental block for me
0: that seed of doubt right
1: seed of doubt absolutely
0: yeah um and zonda, what about you what What kind of psychological yeah. impact did this have on you well for me it's
2: it 's a very different story, so i'd say it kind of goes right back to sort of the beginning of my sexual history and you know i was sort of very uh, i guess when i was sexually inexperienced starting to have sex things not quite going to plan or as expected and suddenly kind of losing confidence in my sexual abilities and not really having much perspective of what sex should be like or could be like um i yeah, yeah i just sort of i i I sort of had issues on and off for a long time, where you know I would lose or not be able to get erections, Um, and you know definitely performance anxiety for me. um, Like kind of looking back at it, but at the time, I really had no idea what was going on. I had no idea that you know I had no idea of even like you know labels like performance anxiety, or you know I didn't even really think of what I was going through as you know something that could be called erectile dysfunction i just felt like there was sort of something wrong with me but i didn't know what it was or that it could be viewed as a condition or you know or a widespread issue so i had no idea that it, like seeking help was even an option i probably i think maybe i sort of once or twice tried a bit of googling and something like erectile dysfunction came up and i thought well that's that looks like something that, uh, you know, old guys get and it's, you know, it's usually to do with diabetes or cardiovascular issues. And that's just not me. So I, I I would say for me it was a period of confusion and not even thinking that seeking help was an option. Um, and that's for me, it's a really, we're kind of building Mojo men to sort of with ourselves in mind, um, as, as, as users, as, as, as people we're trying to help and thinking like, right, get back into kind of the mindset that we were in when we were sort of feeling lost and needing help and, and how can we kind of help our former selves. Um, so that's, that's really what we're kind of working towards at the moment.
0: I think that's the most powerful way to do it because, you know, yeah. as, I, as I said at the start of the podcast uh this podcast episode that i have all the the biological psychological and social knowledge around erectile dysfunction but i identify as a woman i have no understanding of what it's like to get an erection let alone lose an erection so i think for for so many men out there who, as you say, you know, they aren't of an age where it is quite normal to have difficulties with maintaining or attaining an erection. Um, There's no cardiovascular difficulties, high blood pressure, diabetes, and all of those things. You didn't meet any of those kind of tick boxes. Uh, You didn't tick any of those boxes, should I say. I think that the power of, of creating a platform for men by two men who have experienced this firsthand is is immense. Um, and I, I'm just wondering about your experience since launching. You know, what, what's, the, what's the feedback been like? What have you seen in, in terms of engagement from other men or from healthcare professionals like myself or perhaps doctors or pelvic floor physiotherapists, urologists and so on?
1: Um, yeah, we've been hugely flattered actually by the response from experts and users we have set out to build a product that we wish we'd had that's the kind of form mojo men is taking so far but there was a big leap of faith in in putting that in the hands of users kind of hoping that we hadn't just created something that we would wanted and actually we've created something that would help others and so we do a lot of user testing and interview as many of our users as possible and um frankly a lot of those sessions have been quite emotional um we tend to be on the phone with uh, guys who haven't opened up to anyone and they're having that initial conversation like we first had in the car but to a total stranger who is zander or myself um so that for us has been really profound and um and we feel quite kind of proud of the response we've got from users um i, th- I think maybe from an expert level perhaps you can give uh, more insight on your thoughts but I think there's a lot of, certainly on the psychosexual therapy side, um, there are very long waiting lists and uh, people like you, Katrina, are high in demand. Um, And a resource like this that you can uh, give to to people while while they wait has been very welcomed by the professionals we've spoken to so far, both on the medical and psychogenic side.
0: I actually got goosebumps there while you were talking about your conversations you've had kind of one-to-one with men on the phone who've never spoken to anybody about this. And, and, you know, there's such, from my experience, there's such shame um, that exists around this, this conversation, this experience for men. And I've been running women's workshops um, called girls Night girls night out for the last gosh, seven, seven or eight years. And I have, in all of those workshops sold out quite quickly, which is really wonderful and I'm so chuffed about. But when I've tried to run men's workshops under the same sort of structure where I'm focusing on the topic like orgasm or desire or arousal and erections, there's very little interest from men to sit in the room with other men and listen, learn, and um, discuss this kind of topic. And and Zonda, can you maybe give me a little bit of your Kind of view on why that might be? Like, why is there so much shame around this topic for men to discuss so openly?
2: God, yeah, it's a really good question. I don't, I don't know if I have the answer, but it is it's definitely something, you know, I see as well. I think, you know, even with my mates, when I talk about what I'm working on at the moment, when I talk about mojo men, I can see people, I can see my guy friends just sort of close up and they don't know what to say and they're they're scared they don't know they they're really scared they're going to say the wrong thing and embarrass themselves because they, undoubtedly they'll have had some kind of sexual encounter that hasn't gone to plan at some point but i think they're so they're so scared of kind of getting called out that you know they they're not a, a you know a great masculine man they don't want to kind of admit that they kind of understand this issue. I think we—it uh, was really interesting discussing with Angus. We were reached recently uh, featured in the Huffington Post, and I I, I kind of reposted it on our uh, some of our social media channels. And all of the people who, uh, a lot of almost all of the engagement with these posts was from women. And I guess my, actually, in fact, my, you know, my gay friends, but or, like almost none of my straight guy friends felt like they could engage with these posts for fear of, I guess, if, you know, if they sort of liked um, a Mojo article, that would be admitting that they understood this issue. So there's just, there is just such a great fear uh, of kind of even associating yourself with erection issues, erectile dysfunction, not being able to get it up. So that's like really what we view as like the big challenge is like trying to change that narrative that it's okay, that it's normal, it happens, it's not a big deal, less of a man. But just so much of it's I guess it's just it's so tied up in our our sort of sense of what it is to be masculine, to be successful, to be potent. Um, so it's yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a difficult uh, difficult thing, kind of reeducating people that it's okay to talk about this, but it's it's what we've got to do.
0: Yeah, I, I, I often get asked questions um, sort of similar to that about changing narratives around sex and and shame, and it's, it's, it's a tall order. Um, but my view of it is if you can just change one person's life at a time, um, and you know the conversations you've been having with men on the phone already, you are changing their experience and their narrative, which I think is really, really powerful, um, And, you know, dismantling that shame one man at a time. And hopefully that guy might say something to his cousin like you guys did or to Mm -hmm. his friend, which could lead to that friend or that cousin then seeking out help because this is something that is completely normal um, but shouldn't be something that a man should just have to get used to and live with. Um, You know, for men in in their earlier years, it's, it's something that can be worked with quite easily but i guess it's it's a bit frustrating for me as a as a sexologist i work very holistically i'm a big believer in kind of um not only a biopsychosocial approach, but kind of a east meets west approach. I'm very big on mindfulness with my clients. I look at, you know, different functional medicine approaches with my clients, like acupuncture and things like that. Um, But so many clients who I've seen have just kind of said, oh, can't you just give me a pill? And Mm. even then, sometimes a pill's not going to do anything because the psychological impact uh, or the cycle that might have kind of started and be really cemented in is so powerful the the pill is not going to touch sides. Um, And I I kind of wonder, Angus, if you could uh, kind of give me your thoughts on that. If if you've also had guys just say, oh, just give me a pill, it will sort it out. But knowing that that sometimes is not the only option and guys don't want to have to use a pill every time they want to have sex for the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I think um, both Zander's and I uh, have used Viagra in the past. Viagra dependency is something that isn't very well um, advertised, um, but the idea that you take a pill every time you want to have sex, um, is quite obvious if you think about it. But eventually, your body will start to believe it needs that pill every time it wants to get it up. And then, when you end up in a scenario that you don't have that pill available, um, your likelihood of getting it up is far less because you're anxious that you don't have it and you've started to rely on it as a crutch. So you have built up this, this dependency on it. And despite that not being very well advertised, because I think uh, technically Viagra doesn't have a, a chemical addictive quality about it. Despite that, not being very well advertised, we found in our research that a lot of men, um, Already know about it. They they instinctively feel that they don't want to rely on a pill, even though it tends to be very very effective for young men in the moment. If you don't have a psychological, if you don't have a physical issue, and your problem is psychological, taking a physical solution like Viagra is extremely effective. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think instinctively, and there's a, a move towards wanting to get to the root of your problem and look more holistically like you suggest at what might be causing physical issues like not being able to get it out
0: definitely and and i mean i there are so many reasons you know we've touched on a few that you guys have experienced personally and i've worked with uh, you know i've lost count of how many different reasons um might be behind a man losing his erection but a really common one i hear is is men saying to me oh i as soon as i pull out the condom as soon as the i put on the condom i lose sensation and that's it for my erections it's done um is that something that you guys have been hearing from um from your users you maybe you've experienced yourself and i just kind of wondered how you would how you would address that what what is as two guys running this amazing platform would you say to any any young man who says oh condoms cause me to to lose my erection
2: say that's definitely an issue that's affected me in the past and um you know while i've got much better at using condoms i certainly don't particularly like using condoms but it is, it is actually something that's i think resonates with a lot of guys and i know you know we it's, uh, it's it's one of the things we talk about in one of our videos on the platform and i remember when we were filming this video on set a number of guys, in you know, kind of videographers and guys uh, involved in the production of, of the filming, came forward and said, "Yeah, that's actually an issue that affects me. It is. It's a really, it's a really common one." And I think, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure that sort of the triggers are different for every individual. But for for me, I think, you know, a, a condo it, It's it certainly doesn't feel like a natural process. Putting uh, sort of a, a thin sliver of plastic over one's penis at uh, you know when you're sort of trying to have an intimate moment it doesn't feel like a natural process um so for me that's that doesn't feel very sexy, but also it feels like there's this for me I feel this um, kind of pressure when it's time to put on a condom. It feels like everyone i e me and my partner are sort of watching to watching sort of the uh watching the process of putting on a condom and then um you know waiting to sort of see what happens and it feels like this kind of moment of pressure and i think um you know like my advice for people and actually something we talk about on the platform um is you know think about how you can kind of bring condoms into sort of the process into sort of the the enjoyment of sex and like more kind of include it more um Make it intertwined with sex. Don't sort of have foreplay, then condom, then sex. You know, you can kind of make putting on condom, putting on the condom be sort of part of the foreplay, or think about, um, you know, other ways to sort of create pleasure while the condom is being put on. Um, but also just to kind of, you know, engage, you know, ha- have the conversation with your partner if, it, if it's, um, if it's an issue or you think it's likely to be an issue and, um, you know, that can help relieve the pressure.
0: And I think that that's such, such a great way of looking at it, that it becomes a part of sexual play, um, and play being a real really important word for me when it comes to sex, you know, playfulness, curiosity, um, talking about or communicating with your partner about how using a condom could be something that could be playful, that could be um, something you can talk more openly about. I think is a great um, suggestion that you've just given. Um, mm. And you were talking about filming um, some of the videos, mm. you know, I've, I've engaged with the content on your platform. I'm absolutely blown away by not only the depth of your conversations and the vulnerability of both yourselves and, and some of the other gentlemen that you have on the platform, but I'm, I'm so impressed with some of the, you know, the high standard of, of information and education you're putting out as well as the, the really highly respected professionals you've got working with you, like Silver Neves, um, Roberta Bapp, um, Ben Bidwell, the Naked Professor. Um, and I just kind of wondered about the ethos of your platform in having you know, people of this, this kind of level in being involved, it, it really speaks to me as a, as a, as a sexual health professional. But when you were thinking about the content that you wanted to put out and the people you wanted to have on board, what was the, the view or the ethos of, of Mojo Men that you really wanted to, to make sure you adhered to?
2: Um, well, thanks. I mean, that's, that's really kind of you to say. Yeah. I mean, we're really pleased with, um, you know, the professionals and the individuals who've kind of come to us to get involved um i think you know there's sort of the ethos there's you know there's several different things that we've tried to tick off and i think you know one of the most important things is you know we need we need to be uh you know seen as knowledgeable and professional you know trusted um uh, because this is you know it's a, it's a serious it's a serious issue obviously and it, it it you know it has like it's a serious impact on people's Um, mental well-being, physical well-being. So it's it's important that we're, you know, we're considered trustworthy um, and that this is, you know, good advice that we're giving. Um, But also, like, you know, we do try, we do want it to remain light and we, you know, we don't want it to feel... um, you know, like uh, a place where people are sort of feeling overly sorry for themselves. We want to kind of acknowledge that this is a serious issue, but then remain positive and think, right, well, and now how are we going to sort of resolve this issue rather than sort of dwelling on the sort of the difficulties that um, it, it brings, it can bring up.
0: Or lecturing people on what you know, what is happening, what they should do, I think very often some of the stuff you might find on Google feels a little bit formal and scientific and um, maybe not backed up by um, experience in terms of you know, having psychosexual therapists or pelvic floor physios on board that you do have um, that experience on, on their ex- from, from their side and their expertise combined with your experiences of of your lived experiences, you know, has really yielded a fantastic product or platform. Um, And, you know, the, the, some of the other guys that you have on speaking about their own experiences, Again, I come back to that word of really normalizing this this experience for men um, of erectile loss and erectile difficulties. But is Mojo men all about erections or do you think that men could benefit um, from using the platform if they're struggling with other sexual difficulties? Say, you know, not feeling like sex that often or they're climaxing too quickly. Do you think that that this platform could be taken even further?
1: Yeah, well, I'm. I mean... Ever, everything's done, there's an trying to put into Mojo Man comes from a standpoint of personal experience. So we've first focused on um, erection issues and not being able to get it up because that's uh, the experiences we've lived. Um, but I think you'll probably agree that certainly with uh, premature ejaculation, that can actually sometimes come hand in hand with uh, erectile dysfunction or not being able to get it up. Um, I think we're starting with not being able to get it up and a lot of the causes of not being able to get it up actually um, feed into things like uh, premature ejaculation and delayed ejaculation, Um, but also a lot of the content we cover will cover things like body image issues um, that can be raised by uh, unhealthy porn use and things. so, no, we definitely just see um, erectile dysfunction as our first port of call, but we hope to be able to help uh, men with with other sexual issues uh, later down the line as well
0: i I think having having seen the stuff that you're putting out you your reach will be far, far greater than just arousal difficulties for men. Um, you know, from, from my professional perspective, knowing the work that I do with my clients in session, I think, I think you guys should be prepared to get a lot greater and bigger than you currently are. (laughs) Um, Because I think that there is so much, um, there's such a need for this kind of um, platform where men can engage with content from the comfort of their own home, you know, off their cell phone um, without anybody else, needing to know that they're doing it or, um, engaging with it, which again, you know, speaks to the shame that we hold around the topic. And I guess it's kind of ironic with the, the title of my podcast in asking for a friend, cause I've had many, a guy tell me he, he has a friend who, you know, is struggling to get it up in the bedroom. Um, so I think that there's a, a far, far wider reach that your platform, um, we'll get to um so guys just to end off what i like to ask my guests is the most surprising thing you've learned since you've started um, mojo men the most surprising thing that has kind of come up for you since engaging in this in the field of sexual health
2: yeah i mean for, for me it was just like you know right at the beginning of this journey um realizing just how many guys uh had, had issues getting it up or or some other kind of sexual issue um and i think you know that the surprise really stems from the fact that guys just don't talk about it as, as we've discussed and um you know ha- having had lots of kind of like really you know quite intense one-on-one conversations with guys realizing actually everyone's kind of got their own issue that they're dealing with and it's um you know it's not it's not just you it's it's everyone
1: um, I think for me, it's probably how ingrained this uh, stigma of talking about it is. Um, I, Like we said right at the beginning of the show, I, I'm not really sure why I ever opened my mouth to tell um, Zanders that I was having issues. But kind of from that moment, we agreed that we were going to do something about it and we ourselves had to be comfortable talking about it because it had such profound effect on us. Simply telling each other, um, so actually that week we just decided that we would tell everybody we met for the next week that a we were working on a project called mojo men to do with help uh to do with helping men get it up, and b that we were doing it because we have had problems getting up um and that felt excruciating especially when it turned out we were having dinner with um six girls later that night. Um, who wow. to- <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah this is
0: inducing right
1: yeah absolutely but i guess my realization is that we started filming for the platform probably about 2 or 3 months ago and even then when we were confronted with having to sit down and chat about it in front of a film production team it still felt very nerve-wracking despite us having spoken about Erections and erection issues for probably every day for the last 18 months. So, that kind of ingrained stigma and shame in men is something I've been surprised by. And that's me noticing my own um, internal feelings about it.
0: Well, it's, it's something that I'm so grateful the two of you were willing to open up um, to me and my listeners about. So, where can people find you guys? What's the, the best way to get hold of you to see what you're doing?
1: Um, the best place would be, uh, well, check out the platform. We'd love if people wanted to log on to www.mojoman.com. Um, but uh, we're on Instagram and we're trying our best with Twitter, but uh, they're not our fortés. We're getting better.
0: <laughs> okay, so so fantastic, guys. You know that the 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 fortunate position I'm in is that I I. I'm a traveling sexologist, so to speak. I have clients all over the world, which I feel very, very grateful for and, you know, grateful to technology, particularly in times of COVID. Um, And I think that, you know, despite different cultural backgrounds and geographical locations, I can't think of of any group of men that wouldn't benefit, you know, from listening to your stories from engaging with the platform, whether you're in South Africa, the UK or Timbuktu. Um, Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm honestly, I I couldn't be a, I'm like a fan girl for you guys truly Um, both in a professional and personal sense. I think that, that what you guys have started has been needed for a very long time. And I am so excited to see what you guys do next.
2: Cool. Well, thanks so much for having us. Like, we really appreciate it. It's, um, yeah, it's been great to chat.
1: Yeah, super fun. Thank you very much.
0: Got a question you'd like to ask for a friend? Reach out to me via my website or Instagram, and I'll be sure to include it in a and a episode soon. You can subscribe and follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it.